0: You're tuned into Toby Talks, episode 27, From Bedside to Quality Improvement Nurse. OMG, I am so excited to actually talk to you guys about quality. Uh, 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 uh. Imagine me like doing like some shoulder jig, going back and forth. That's what I'm doing right now, y'all. Because I'm so excited to finally talk about the field that I work in. And let me be 100% honest with you guys. I had no idea this field even existed, let alone that something I could do as a nurse. So kind of like the same stories that I hear everywhere about how someone got into that position, people tend to just fall into it. And I know that sounds dumb, but it seems to be the culture of a lot of new upcoming positions that happen. People just happen to fall into that role and their role just happened to make itself available. Like maybe someone retired or quit. And then you just happen to be the next person in line that, you know, could be really good in that position. And then they recruit you in. So a lot of times is how it happens. And that's kind of how it happened for me. But I finessed my way into quality because I didn't know the things that I was doing was actually quality related things so I feel like that's something that I make I want to make sure that I go into really good details with about you guys especially on today's conversation so I am your guest Toby I'll be talking to you guys about quality and what I actually do in my nursing role and I'm gonna give y'all some legit stuff that I do I'm also gonna give you some resources you should check out and then I'm also going to talk about the pay and talk about the pay from two different areas from Texas and from California because I currently live in Cali but I was raised and my My career started in Texas, so I kind of give best of both worlds on today's episode because you kind of get to see the comparison between both. So let me start with how I even got into nursing. So I probably have talked about this in my first or second podcast, but I fell into nursing really. um, I've always been a nurse at heart, and I just didn't know that. So especially being Nigerian, the oldest of three siblings. You technically put in that role to almost supervise, take care of needs and assist and just give so much care. So I've kind of always been a nurse at heart, but I didn't really know it. So I actually wanted to be an OBGYN, and I knew that I wanted to do that since I was like five years old. Like, my mom was pregnant with my second sister, not second, my first sister, and I was so freaking excited. Like, she had a baby in her, and I was just, you know, being at five, I was just really, really curious. And I would see all the baby books, and I would like, look at the pictures, and I put two and two together, like, oh my gosh, there's a baby inside mommy's tummy. And then, you know, of course, I get kicked out of school because I'm telling all the kids where babies really come from. And they're like, look, you're five and we didn't sign up for that. So that was originally my goal of becoming an OBGYN. But then, you know, got a little bit older, didn't really do so well in all my mathematical classes and science classes through high school. So I figured uh, with what the requirements are for medical school and what I'm able to do right now, maybe being a doctor ain't for me. So I ended up changing and I wanted to do nursing. And um, of course, being Nigerian, there were some finessing issues going on. Parents want me to be a pharmacist, but I was like, nah, I ain't about that life. And then I finally became a nurse. Now I went through a lot of struggles, of course, before I got to where I am now. But my journey really started on a pediatric floor. I worked for a specialty hospital um, that dealt with orthopedic kids and kids with different kind of um, orthopedic needs. And from there, I went ahead and did mother-baby. So I actually got to deal with moms and babies after postpartum. And then from there, did some traveling, got to be a travel nurse for a little bit. And I liked it. It gave me a really good opportunity to see what and how other hospitals function in leadership and with staff. And then I fell into a supervisory role. And when I mean fell into it, I really did. One of my friends told me about an opportunity in her health plan that she was working along with that um, had an opportunity for a supervisory role in Dallas. So I took that position on and that's when I realized, oh shit, I am really like in administrative. I am a supervisor over people. I am actually getting to utilize my my nursing skills, but also my leadership skills in this position and actually provide the best care I can to the patient population we're serving. And then from there, got into another quality position with a health plan. And then from there, got married, moved, lived in California or living in California, and I continuously still work in quality. So that's kind of how I fell into nursing. And that's kind of my journey to where I am now in a nice little summary. Now before I hop into details on what I actually do in quality, I want to share some gems with you guys that helped me get into the role that I am in now. And that is for anyone who is trying to get into a leadership position, and especially in quality. So. While in my nursing career, I was very involved. And I think that's great to be very involved because you get to see the different dynamics that happen in a hospital or happens in a um, a health plan. So what I mean by getting involved, that means you need to join a committee. You need to be a part of any kind of changes, any kind of meetings, anything that's involving you working at wherever you are working, get involved. And it's just like, you know, in nursing school, they wanted to see us have volunteer hours and all that kind of stuff. Think of that as your career. You need to be having volunteer hours in your career. And technically, it's not like you're not getting paid for it. You are. You're going to committees, you're going to meetings. But the most important things about why you should attend these stuff is because you really get to see what's going on. One, two, you get a say, this is your platform to have a voice. If you're involved in committees, you get to have a voice on the changes that are happening. You get to have a voice on impacts that's coming to the way you deliver care in your hospital. So you definitely have to get involved. And those are the things that really boost up your resume because you might not be in a quality position or a leadership position, but because you were on a committee, you can talk about what impact you being on that committee has brought to your hospital. And that could be something that you can throw on your resume and also talk about in your interviews for these positions. So that's what I did, actually. I was involved in the fall committee. I was a co-chair for one of our quality committees. Not only was I involved in patient, I was also involved out in, outside in my um, community. I was a president of P- Society of Pediatric Nurses. So I had the opportunity of actually getting to run a local organization and I got to learn a lot of things. One, you better come with a lot of different kind of events and fun ideas that bridges nurses and builds the community together. And two, you get to deal with different personalities, people's strengths and weaknesses on a committee or on a organization. And I think those are things that you need to be able to build yourself in leadership. So those are some serious gems, write it down. You need to be involved in a committee. You need to be going to the meetings. You need to be speaking up like that already is going to help you finesse into the position of quality by seeing how involved how engaged you are and not only just going to these committees but being active in them if there is a problem if there is some changes you need to be volunteering yourself to help and assist or try to find a resolution to so i want you guys to be very aware of those are really good gems of getting yourself involved to get into the position that you want to be in. People need to see your face, they need to know your name, they need to see the kind of impact that you're bringing already in the position that you are in. So then when you get into leadership, they already know what you can do. They already know that you can deliver because they've seen it in a committee and they've seen you you be involved in the hospital and that's what's gonna help you get into the position that you want to be, especially if you're trying to get in the door with quality. So let me hop into what I actually do as a quality improvement nurse specialist. And let me tell you guys, when I fell into this role, when this role, when I claimed it and owned it, I didn't realize that this was where I fit in. This was my... This was my dream job because in my life already, I love to do organization. I love quality. I love to give people really good service and anything that I do. And that's me like starting when I was working at Walgreens and the Olive Garden through college to where I am now. Quality was a big deal for me. So to know that I could even bring that, bring the collaboration, bring everything that I loved about who I am and how I work into my role. That's why I am where I am now. So what I do as a quality improvement nurse specialist Um, And I'm gonna just kinda take you through what I do at work. So currently in my role, I work for a county and I oversee a couple of clinics when it comes to quality. And one of the things that I do is make sure that my clinics are survey ready and ready for certification. And survey ready means they're meeting standards from the federal level And then we also have an accreditation that makes sure that we are certified and we are accredited to give the kind of care that we give. And we're following the standards and processes that are placed by the feds. So not only that, I also get them ready for certification. We have business relationship with other health plans and health plans will come and do inspections and checks to make sure that the care that we're giving to their members is the best quality um, that we should be giving. So I get my clinics prepared for those things by doing an environment of care around and what that means is me myself i lead the the team and the team would have like infection prevention it would have environmental services which makes sure our places is clean we would have um environmental safety to make sure we're following our safety codes. We would have emergency management. We would have a pretty big team. We would also have the manager of that clinic follow us. We'll have the assistant manager follow us. And now we've even even incorporated quality liaisons. And those are like representatives at the clinics who have first knowledge and quality that will also come with us on these rounds. So what we do during these rounds of the clinic is we inspect the clinic from top to bottom. We're looking at the lobby, bathroom, Rooms, hallways, janitor's closet, nursing station, exam rooms, where we put our soiled items after taking care of patients, that room, we look at those rooms, look at the rooms that store your medication and clean items. We look through all these areas to make sure that we are at our top, we are standard, we look good, we have a process for what we do and how we do what we do. So let's say an example. You're in your exam room as a patient, and you're probably gonna get a nasal swab just to check for strep or anything like that. How do I know that that testing tube is not expired, right? So that's something that we do during our environmental rounds. We'll ask the clinic and their team, how do you check for items to make sure that they're not expired? That we're not putting our patients at risk for giving them an expired item. And the clinic will talk to their process like, oh, you know, we have a checklist in our clinic. So every month we have someone designated who goes through all the rooms and checks for expired items and stuff like that. We also want to make sure that You know, anywhere we are, we're giving that good quality of service. So that's something that we do when we do our environmental rounds. Not only does that prepare them to know what to expect when joint commission or whatever accrediting body that they have comes in to do their survey. But it also makes sure that they are working at the high level of quality that they should be. And if they don't know or if they're not working to that ability, that's where I come in as a quality improvement nurse and I help them. So let's say they don't have a process on how to check expired meds. Well, let's talk about how we can initiate that. Would you want to designate someone? Would you want to rotate someone? Maybe we should have a checklist or maybe there should be a process on, Um, One person is designated to check it every three months. Or maybe we can even write the expired dates for each item on a sheet of paper and put it next to those items inside wherever they're stored. Some kind of process I'm going to work with the clinics and team on to make sure that they're able to follow good standard um, care and processes. So that's one example of something that I do. I also do a lot of audits and surveys. And currently, our National Patient Safety Goal, and that's from the Joint Commission, and what National Patient Safety Goal really means is as a nation, all 50 states finally agreed on something, and y'all, that's hard. Whew. Y'all know that's hard. But we finally got all 50 states to agree on something. And what they agreed on is that there are some things that we're doing as a health care system that we're putting patients at jeopardy. We're killing them and not protecting them like we should. They're trying to get care, not come and end the care here. So some of the things that we have identified as a nation is that we are not identifying our patients correctly. That means you're coming in as a patient and you're leaving with the wrong diagnosis, the wrong medication, the wrong treatment, and we want to prevent that. So one of the audits that I do is called TPI, which is two patient identifiers, where I go and I make sure that there is, we're 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 following our process of identifying our patients correctly. And that means, do I have the right patient, the right name, first name and last name? Do I have the right date of birth? Are they being banded correctly? So many clinics, when you go in to get checked in, you will probably get a patient band, identification band, or even at the hospital, you'll get a band when you're checked in um, as an inpatient patient. So I want to make sure that your armband has your right name, your right first and last name, actually, and your date of birth and your medical record number. Those are things that we want to check and make sure we have the right patient. Because as a nation, we have been giving people the wrong things, treating them wrongly. I mean, so my job as a quality improvement nurse is to make sure that we are identifying our patients correctly. And if we're not within our process, let's sit down and figure out why. What are we doing wrong? How could we make the situation better? Or what other processes can we put in place that staff will be able to do their job in a safe manner and still deliver quality care? Um another thing is I do hand hygiene because that's another thing that we want to work on as a nation is preventing infection. And if you don't know, the best way to prevent infection is by washing your hands. Oh my gosh, I have never seen people do so much with dirty hands. My god, they will sneeze, cough, pick a booger and shake your hand. Like uh-uh. But that is something that we have learned as a nation that we are killing our patients you're already coming in sick and we're not washing our hands and taking care of you and then you end up going home sicker and dying from whatever sickness we've decided to spread to you so we want to make sure that we are doing hand hygiene. And that means before we touch you as a patient, after we've touched you, after we've given you information, um, we want to make sure we're washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. And I want to champion everyone out there. It is flu season. You better wash your dirty hands. Wash your hands when you open a door. Wash your hands when you are typing on the keypad at the grocery store for your debit card, PIN number. You know how many people, people touch that? Do you know how many people put their pin number at the grocery store or at the gas station? And then you hop in the car and pop in a gum without washing. You you ain't popped in the nation's germs. All the germs and bacteria ain't popped in your mouth. So, um, sorry, I know that was kind of depressing. But I want you to know, like, that's how quickly germs spread. So keep some hand hygiene sanitizers in your purse, in your car. Um, And even when you go to your clinic, pay attention. Are you seeing people wash their hands? Are you seeing the doctor that's about to take care of you? Did they wash their hands coming in and out that room? Hmm, baby, if they didn't, you better let them know real quick. But anywho, those are some of the things that I do. I also do audits. And if I'm not seeing our staff or our team doing hand hygiene, and that means everybody, not just the nurses. I mean, I'm looking at the registration area? Who is registering you? Are they washing their hands after touching you? Are the doctors washing them? So I actually do like a full survey where I watch a patient get their care. And I'm making sure that we're following our practices and what we say that we're going to do to prevent infection to our patients. And if we're not doing that, after my audits, I have a one-on-one with the staff member, whoever I saw that wasn't doing that. And we also try to do some teaching and coaching a lot of things in this field is education. You're gonna be re-educating people a lot in quality improvement. And I think that's why I fit this role so well because I love talking to people, obviously, Toby talks. And I love being able to bring um, knowledge and empower people with things that they didn't know before. Another thing that I do is I do a lot of quality activities. And quality activities is just like I stated, helping clinics or departments, with a process improvement. So they might have a process or they might not have a process and they wanna improve on it. Um, That's what quality is here for. We help them with that. So let's just say we have an issue. Maybe we only have one printer in a clinic, right? And because everyone is printing out that printer, It's delaying getting patients in and out. Like, man, you know, patients are coming in, but they're not able to leave after appointment until like an hour later. What's the issue? We want to do a root cause and find out what is the cause of the delay when a patient is coming to a clinic or coming to get their care. And then we could probably narrow it down and find out, well, there is a backlog. We have... Ten nurses try to print from one printer, so it causes delay, and we're not able to give the patients their discharge paperwork on time. Well, here's a solution. Why don't we just order another printer and put it in another, you know, put it in a nurse, another nurse's station to help with the other nurses? So five are using this one, and five are using that one. And then after we do, and this is just an example, and after we do that kind of process, then we would do an audit. Well, the time that patients were waiting before we didn't have a printer, to the time they're waiting now. And then you can see like, wow, this really improved it. Or actually it didn't make an improvement at all. We still have an issue. Okay, let's go back to the drawing board. So those are really what we do in quality improvement. Um, Especially when it comes to reports. We do a lot of reports. Like I told you guys, I do my audits. But what is the point of data and collecting it if people aren't able to understand it or they're not getting the feedback? So in quality, we do reports from our audits. After auditing for two patient identifiers or after auditing for hand hygiene and making sure they're following those practices, what was the result of my audit? Was there an improvement? Are we, is there areas that we need to focus on? So maybe out of my hand hygiene audits, I'm seeing that everyone is doing hand hygiene, but they're missing the point of after they touch the patient, they're not washing their hands. Well why? Why are they doing that? So I show the data, but then well what's the cause of it? Is it because there's no hand sanitizer gels in the room? Is it because maybe the room is designed weirdly where the, the nurse can't get to the hand to the sink to wash their hands? What is it that's causing, you know, for them to fail in this area and how can we improve that? So I hope I'm kind of giving you some understanding on what quality improvement is. But one of the things we definitely do is reports. And from that report, we're even able to drill down and even do trainings. We do a lot of trainings, like showing them, like, what is it in quality we do? What is it in quality that we look for? And really, quality is more of we got your back. We're not watching your back. And a lot of people think that because you're in quality, we're watching your back, like we're joint commission. They're going to tell you like, no, you're doing something wrong. we really, it's like, no, we're in this together. Like we are a team and we got your back. So in order to do that, I want you to feel confident and equipped to know what you're doing. And I want to empower you in that knowledge. Quality isn't secret. And I feel like a lot of people think quality is just a secret, you know, society where you have to be so knowledgeable. Let me tell you all something. I ain't Google. I don't know everything. And I let people know that I don't know everything, but I know where I can find the resources to get that information. So as I kind of wrap up a little bit, giving you some examples on what I actually do in quality in my current role now, I want to talk about some resources that kind of help you get into quality and get more understanding of quality. And definitely know quality is very, very, very vast. Like in quality, you could be in risk management, where you're managing the risk of things that could happen to your patient population. You could be in quality and work in infection prevention. Depending on the kind of hospital system you work in, infection prevention could be under quality as well. So there's different avenues of quality. And then there's also quality assurance, right? And there's quality management and there's quality improvement. So these are different titles of quality and they do different things. Like when I was in my previous role in the health plan, we have to do quality assurance. And quality assurance would literally be, we would listen to voice calls and make sure that were we giving a good service to this client that called in for our insurance. Or we would even do survey checks. If we say a provider should be able to have after hours access, so that means maybe you have a sick child or maybe you're not feeling well. Instead of driving all the way to the emergency room just to be told, after waiting eight hours that all you needed was Tylenol, you could call your clinic after hours. So the clinic might be open from eight to five, but they still have a phone line after hours that you can call. And when you call that line, you should be able to be on phone with your provider, either your provider or a provider on call that you can tell them your symptoms and they could say, hey, you know what? That sounds like you can take some Tylenol to decrease your fever and I'll see you tomorrow at the the clinic or this sounds like it's an emergency, I would suggest that you go to the emergency room. This is services that we as a health plan wanna make sure that providers are complying to. So what I would do is actually do a test where after hours I would call all of our providers, well not all of them, a nice sample so I can do a report from, but call them and see how many actually have an after hours phone line are they answering them? Are they calling back our patients within 30 minutes after calling you and probably leaving a voicemail saying, hey, I'm not feeling well. Can you call me back? Are you calling back these patients within 30 minutes? Are you actually having a phone line that they can call you? So these are some standards that they have to comply with. And with quality assurance, I had to make sure that they were actually doing that. So Quality, like I said, is very vast, and it'd be really hard for me to squish everything that quality does in this one episode. So I probably might do some series, but for today, I'm just going to talk about what I'm doing quality improvement. So I gave you some examples. Now let's hop into the kind of um, resources that you can use to learn more about quality. So working in quality, you definitely want to know about CMS, which is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. Now, this is like literally what you need to know. Hospitals, they have to meet eligibility standards established by the federal government in order to receive reimbursement from federally funded programs. And Medicaid and Medicare is one of them. So CMS has been designated as the organization responsible for certifying hospitals and deeming them certified and meeting the established standards by the federal government. So that literally is a wrap of why CMS is such a big deal. Hospitals won't get paid if they, ain't re- if they ain't meeting their requirements, okay? So every hospital across the board, that's like, boom, you need to know about CMS. You also need to know about OSHA, which stands for Occupational Safety and Health Administration. This is where we get a lot of our safety hazards, things like that, that we need to be aware of to keeping people safe at work. Learn about them because a lot of policies, procedures, and standards are also shaped around the standards here for OSHA. Also, CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Of course, if you work in infection prevention, that is your Bible. But it's also good to know about these standards as well, because when you're in quality, like I said, you can be in quality and working in infection prevention or risk management or whatever the case may be. You need to know where a lot of the regulatory standards come. And a lot of these research centers and um, these organizations are what also helps govern us in what we do in quality. So those are three big ones that I want you guys to really know about CMS, OSHA and CDC. Now, I'm not saying that's all you need to know in quality. There's so much more, but just kind of giving you that intro of, wow, this is what quality needs to know. These are the kind of standards that are set. These are the kind of regulations that we have um, that we need to know and abide by. Now, I'm not saying that I memorize all of them. I don't. All you need to know in quality is your resources. You need to know where to go to find out this kind of information. And i have just given y'all three, so y'all got some good homework. So let's go ahead and hop into what I actually do like every day, my hours of working, and also what the pay look like. So one thing that made me really happy about joining the quality team and getting into quality was just the fact that, I actually get to be that voice and advocate for nurses in a leadership position. So I've taken that opportunity to not only understand what I do in quality, but use that as a way to bridge communication with my nursing staff, with um, our ancillary services like lab, Um, radiology, pharmacy. We work together with all these areas because quality is everywhere. Everything you do is quality. Um, And once you understand that, it really makes your job easy. Um, But what you also have to understand is you really need communication. If If you are not communicating clearly, if you're just coming in and telling someone they're doing something wrong, trust me, when you come around, no one wants you there. So I can pride myself on having a really good relationship with a lot of my clinics and a lot of different um, organizations that I've worked with because communication is always the key. You want someone to feel empowered and knowledgeable about something. It's nothing secret. You just need to be able to expose them to the information, not tell them that, oh, you're breaking policy. This is bad. But what policy is that? Where can you find that policy? How can you empower someone to understand that quality, um, that quality? I'm so involved in quality. All I can say is quality, quality, but... How does that person know that policy exists? Are you educating them on that? Then even in the policy themselves, if you look at the bottom, they're referenced to a lot of these organizations, like they're referenced to OSHA. This is where we got this standard from, and that's why we built this policy around it, or the CDC, or CMS, or the Joint Commission. So it's not about what you do it's how you do what you do especially when it comes to quality so i enjoyed the role one because of what it entails two because i can advocate for nurses but three the hours oh my gosh y'all as much as i miss my 12 hour shifts sometimes 14 to 16 hours and you know working only 3 days a week i've traded that in for working monday through friday um a 9 to 5 well actually 8:30 to 5 so it gives me the liberty of coming to work every day in the morning and getting off in the afternoon time, and that was important to me, especially when I was um, getting married a, a couple of years ago. A couple of years, literally, y'all was like a year and a half. <laughs> but when I was getting married, I thought like, wow, you know. I actually want to be with my husband 24-7. I don't want to have to like, you know, not see him at night because I'm working and then miss him in the morning when he's going to work. So I wanted a position in nursing that I can be able to have a nine to five. I can have my weekends off. I can have my evenings off and I can have my vacations and holidays, y'all, you don't know how hard it is as a nurse to work on a unit and you got to pick between Thanksgiving, Christmas and figure out what day you got to work on that holiday. And I just didn't want to deal with that anymore. So I will say when you get into a quality role, you can work a nine to five. Um, and there's even some quality positions where you can just, you know, work from home and they only have to go out and do your inspections. So definitely look into quality if you're looking for a flexible schedule schedule. And that's one of them. Nine to five. And then some of them even let you work from home like two or three times out the week. Because a lot of it is after you are done your inspections, you do have to write up a report. You do have to send out where you need them to have improvements on. So there is a lot of office work involved. So I would say within a week, I spend probably two two to three days at the office and two to three days at the clinics. So one day I'd be at a clinic Probably three or four times that week. The next week, I might be in my office for three to four days because I'm trying to catch up on some reports and stuff like that. So there's a good balance. I still get to um, be very engaged with staff, be very engaged with leadership, um, and even be engaged with patient care. Um, I'm not delivering patient care, but if they're coming into my clinic and I happen to see them, I will speak. Hey, good morning. How are you? Were we giving you good care today? Is there anything we can help you with? Thank you for patiently waiting. I know we're working um, behind the scenes to make sure that we can see you as soon as possible. Anything that I can do to help my clinics alleviate any kind of situation or just even greet a patient with a smile, that is patient care. So I enjoy that role because I'm able to have my work hours and I'm able to still be engaged with um, staff education, patient care. Um, Not technically hands-on, I'm not seeing patients, but when I do see patients in the lobby waiting or in passing, I will speak to them and just see how, how their care and service is going on today. So, those are some really good benefits about why I love working in quality. Another thing is the pay. Y'all, let me tell you something. In everything you do, there's going to be a give and take, right? So, when I first got into a supervisory role, um, I think I was in Texas. I was in Texas, and I probably was a two year, two and a half years out of nursing school. And I was making around 65, 65K. Um, and that's probably like what? 30 an hour? maybe 30 an hour. I don't remember. Don't quote me on it. But once I got into a supervisory role, I was making, oh, actually take that back. I was making around 60s. So when I got into the supervisory level, I automatically made 10K and that was 70. But remember, nurses can make more or less because they're working hourly. So when you're working on a shift on a unit, you can always pick up extra shift to make extra money. But when you go into quality, you are, um, What is a roll call? You are now in a, oh my gosh, it's literally escaping my mind right now. Anywho, once it comes to me, I'll show it out somehow. But you're now full-time. You don't have the flexibility of picking on an extra shift because that is your only role. Salary, huh, there it goes. I told you all to come to me. So you're salaried. So what your annual salary is going to be is exactly that, whatever you signed on to your contract. So it's different for nurses because we can always pick up extra shift when we're at the hospital working on units versus if you're in a salaried position. So keep that in mind. If you're in a salaried position, that is what you're going to make annually. Now, you could make more if you're working at another hospital, like doing a PRN shift. Um, But if you are going to be in this quality role, it's going to be a salaried position. But um, so my salary when I was a nurse on the unit to when I hopped into my supervisory role was a 10K advance. So I went from 60 to making 70 automatically. But Even though I hate the fact I couldn't make more, um, you know, working extra hours and stuff, I enjoyed the flexibility of being able just to come in and leave. That's it. I don't got to worry about it until when I come back, you know, the next day. And I didn't have to work past my hours. Uh, Sometimes, though, because when you're in supervisory, sometimes you'd be at work until 9, 10 o'clock at night because you're trying to work on something. But that's for another day. But um, so that was something that I really enjoyed. The hours and then the pay. The pay did increase. And what makes it increase more is your involvement. Like what? how quickly are you learning? Are you going for training courses and stuff like that? So even though I had my first position at supervisory, the next job role that I got as a quality improvement nurse specialist, I got a 10 a 10K increase again at my new position. And this was all in Texas. So keep in mind that you can quickly grow from your experience, what you learned, how you've helped this organization when you're trying to apply for another organization. So um, I'll just drop that gem right there. Now let's go ahead and compare it to California. So when I moved out here in California, um, I would say in comparison, so you can make six figures. Now let me be careful on that some people to be like, "Oh, top be rich." No, y'all. The cost of living in California is completely different than the cost of living in Texas. Okay, like Texas, we ain't got state taxes. California does. So, all right, money, extra money coming out the check. So you could be making six figures. But it would be reflective of your lifestyle in California. You know, you got federal taxes, um, state taxes, and the cost of living is disrespectful in California. Like, oh, y'all, whoo, another podcast episode for another day. But you have to make sure you weigh that. So I would say that when I moved to California, I would say, to balance it out, even though six figures is a lot here in California and that's where we started. So right around 65 an hour was what I was making here in California for the same role. But once I balanced everything out, it was just an additional 10K that I'd be making in Texas. So making around like 120s in Cali almost balanced out to making like 90s in Texas after all the taxes and everything out. So just for those who are living in California, if you want to know like how much you can start in this role, you can start off around 120s, 130s, 110s um, in this new position, brand new. But The advice I would give you if you are truly trying to get into quality is I would start from in-house. If you're already working in your hospital, I would see if there's any availability or any opening positions in quality, and I would make that known that you're interested. And I would also open the door to you guys to reach out to anyone who's working in quality at your hospital and just ask them, like, what does your job entail? Could I shadow you one day when I'm not going to be at work? A lot of people are open to it. Well, I know I am, and I know a lot of millennials are very open to, you know, sharing about what their role entails. So I would push to you to get to know someone that works in quality in your hospital and see if you can shadow them and see if they can tell you a little bit more about what their role entails and talk to management. Let them know that you're interested in moving up and how can you be more involved and engaged. But remember what I said originally, get plugged in, get plugged into a committee, get plugged into your meetings, know what's going on in your hospital, and then know these external resources know that these are areas that you can go and read more about, you know, OSHA, CDC, um, CMS, the Joint Commission, read about some of these things. But definitely know that I've just kind of given you a nice little summary of quality, but there's so much more in quality. Do your research, let Google be your best friend. And definitely know that I'm probably going to do some more series in the future of what I do in quality. And I'll probably even do it visually to kind of talk to you guys and actually show you um, some things that I, that I actually do. So I really hope that you were able to get a really good insight of what quality is like, the resources you can do, um, the resources you can research on to find out more about quality and also the pay. You know, we all want to know what we're giving up if we're going to get into this new position. So I will say the pay is really good, especially if you love doing what I already do now, which is quality. So if you know you got a finesse in keeping organized, you can spot out any kind of issue real quick. If you got them kind of eyes like I do, baby, quality is for you. But um, before I end up and wrap up this um this episode, which is my conversation, I want to be able to share some encouraging words for any nurses out there that are just getting burnt out in the position that you're in now. I want to tell you guys that I was there too. I literally almost gave up on my nursing career. I was so close from just going back to school and getting an a, a MBA and working in business or communications because I just really didn't think nursing, you know, I didn't think that This is all I could do at the bedside. I wanted more. So I want you to know if you're in that area feeling burnt out, Go and find out more things. Go find out what else you can do in nursing. Change it up a little bit. You don't have to stay in the same position. You don't have to stay in the same unit. You can change. And I want you to know it's okay. You don't have to learn everything and know everything, but you have to be open into that knowledge of wanting to learn and wanting to grow. And once you have that, once you have that enthusiasm and you're excited about that, trust me, that burning feeling will go away and you would feel like, oh, finally. It's like a fresh new start. And it's really exciting. So I want to encourage you and motivate you to don't give up on your degree. Do not give up on your degree. Do you remember everything you went through in nursing school? Just in case you forgot. Do you remember what the NCLEX put you through? Baby, I had to remember that to keep me in my position. So remember the things of what you went through to, Fight hard for your degree, and don't let just your situation or a terrible unit or a toxic work environment have you give up on that degree. Find out more. Listen to the other, listen to these other podcasts on Toby Talks, and listen to about all these other positions that you can definitely get into. Now, for my nursing students, who I still feel I still feel like I have PTSD from nursing school, but know that you are not alone. Know that I am rooting for you. You are going to get through this. You might have failed this exam. It might have killed your GPA. You might feel crushed. You might have to repeat a class. Whatever it is, know that I am rooting for you. It's going to be a fight. You're going to fight through it. You're going to study through the hours. You're going to be tired all the time. But know that it's going to end. And there is light at the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel, y'all. I'm telling you. So don't give up. If you got to cry, cry. If you got to scream, scream. Do whatever you got to do. Slide into my DM and vent if you need to. I don't care, but just know that I don't want you to give up. Know you're on this path and know that you got people rooting for you because you are going to be an amazing nurse. And the challenges that you are facing now in nursing school, you are going to overcome them and you are going to be so victorious on graduation day. And once you get that past from NCLEX, that you will just look back and think it was all worth it. So just know I'm rooting for you and you are going to do amazing. And I cannot wait to see and hear and share your story. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast episode. There were so many gems dropped, but let's be honest, who got time to replay, pause, and write down all that information shared? Shoo, I know I don't, but don't worry. I got you. Download Toby Talks app on Google Play for nursing resources, definitions, and so much more that were mentioned on today's episode. Toby Talk app features show notes that timelines the conversation and lets you click directly to the resource or definition and it even lets you bookmark the gem for later listen we're too busy learning how to save lives or even saving lives as nurses to deal with a replay button Toby Talk app is your one-stop shop for podcast episodes and show notes For more on Toby Talks, like the blogs and videos, go to my website at www.tobytodge.com. And you know I love to hear from you guys. So feel free to slide into my DMs on IG or Facebook and hit me up through email. That's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Again, that's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Till next time, I'll be talking to you soon.